All right, we are into Advent. Um, hard to believe that next Sunday is Christmas. Does anyone else feel that way? Seems kind of wild. <laughs> like, whoa, that snuck up on me. I guess I should have seen all the Christmas lights and taken a cue. Been like, all right, I think it's Christmas season. Um, but Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas, and it is essentially just in terms of the church calendar waiting for the Messiah. Uh, the Messiah is the chosen one within Scripture. Last week we talked about our lament, the things that we lament because there's still evil in the world and we still have personal pain. Um, there's a lot of things that we can feel sorrowful about. Uh, this week we focus on joy. Um, and who doesn't want more joy in their life? We all want uh, more joy. And there's a lot of things that bring us joy in our lives, which is really good. But a lot of the things that bring us joy in our lives kind of go up and down. It's not always joyful. And so I think about you have the birth of a child and you're so excited and then they turn into a meanager later on. Um, you buy a house and you have to fix it up regularly. If you own a home, you're like, Where's, who's fixing this up? And you're like, oh, I guess I am. Um, Christmas presents, and then you get the bills. You're like, yeah, the kids are all happy. And then in January, you get the bill. And you're like, oh, well, that's kind of a bummer. They should pay for their own presents. Um, when we think about joy in Christ, and we think about Advent and waiting for the Messiah, there's a couple things I want to focus on today. First, our joy comes from Jesus. And next, we are waiting for the fullness of the kingdom. We are waiting for the completion of the kingdom of God to be here. And that we can cultivate uh, joy here and now. So first off is our joy comes from Jesus. And we're encouraged to focus our joy in God or our joy in Christ. And so when we read in the Old Testament, there's a saying that they often say that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So I focus on Christ or I focus on the Lord and that's where my strength comes from. So in Nehemiah uh, chapter 8 verse 10, uh, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So this idea, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Again, this idea of like biblical joy, when we think about how we try to achieve joy, uh, oftentimes that can come and go. We have joy for a little period of time, and then that goes. We, you know, we buy a house, and we're so excited, and then we have to repair the house. Or we have a marriage, and then we realize how much we need to change and grow up and all these things. But when we think about the joy of the Lord, it's talking about anchoring ourselves in Christ, that we anchor to Him. That's where our joy comes from. And that does not change like the other things that we find joy in. Uh, he is unshakable. He is unchangeable. He is unmovable. Um, the, in the previous uh, sermons, I've talked about that one of the earliest Christian symbols that they have find in archaeology is the anchor. It's not the cross. It's an anchor. Because this idea that we anchor ourselves to him, the rock, he's unmovable, he's unchangeable, he's unshakable. And because of that, when we anchor ourselves to him, we're able to have this firm foundation in our lives um, 
and we can have joy in that. So this idea of the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, it's not in our circumstances, which go up and down. It's not in our possessions, uh, because we can be excited about those things for a small period of time, and then they kind of get old, you know, like at this point in time, if you have an iPhone 7, it might as well be a flip phone, but it's still an amazing computer, right? Uh, and it's not in our successes, because successes come and go for all of us. We have these small successes, and then we move on to the next idea, well, I guess I need to keep chasing that. And that failure doesn't diminish the object of our joy. Our joy is in Christ uh, the King. So even Christmas is, you know, it's a, it's a funny season. And it's beautiful in many ways. Uh, you know, we have all these flowers. We have Christmas lights. We have Christmas trees. We know presents are on the way. Um, at the same time, our problems do not stop at Christmas time. And this is part of the funny thing, right? You, know, you see, you go to the Turtle Bay and the lights and all of these things. And for a moment, you're like, this is so wonderful. And then you get back in the car and you're like, oh, yeah, we're, here we are again. Our problems don't stop during Christmas time. Um, however, we are anchored in Jesus. And so for those of us who follow Jesus... Um, we have the ability to say, but Jesus. So even though, you know, our circumstances might not change, even though there's Christmas lights up everywhere, we have the ability to say, but Jesus. My family is weird, but Jesus. And yes, I'm talking about my family, not your family, because your family's not weird. <laughs> but Jesus. I have Jesus. And so when I think about the family, all the things going on in my family, and there's real things happening in my family, but Jesus. Jesus is with me. I have fears about the future, but Jesus. But I have Jesus with me. Um, I have my doubts about certain things, but Jesus is with me in the midst of all of those things. Um, life doesn't make sense right now. But Jesus, but Jesus is with me, and I am with Jesus. And so when we think about joy, biblical joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength in terms of biblical joy. What is your soul anchored to in this moment in time? Because the Bible would continue to direct us to say the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength, right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's where we find the joy that God wants for us. Well, when we look at the people in Scripture, we see people whose joy is in the Lord. And at the same time, and this is one of the things that I love about Scripture, you guys, is that they really didn't clean it up that well to where everyone's life was picture perfect. And so I'm very thankful for that. Because when we read scripture, we see people who, like Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, who's a major prophet within the Old Testament, um, the joy of the Lord is his strength. At the same time, we get to see someone who's really wrestling with what that means, trying to live that out in real time. They're not cleaning it up to where everything's picture perfect and his life was great and he never cussed and he never drank too much or any of these things. I mean, in reality, he had to wrestle with what did it mean to have the joy of the Lord as his strength. 
And so when we read these examples and look at these examples, we get to see what did they focus on as they wrestled, and we can see that he focused on the Messiah. Uh, Joe, do you want to read your first reading for us? And so when we read in Isaiah as one of the main prophets within the Old Testament, we're going to read a good portion of uh, his book, and we're going to be looking at um, chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. So when we read this from Isaiah, he's talking about the Messiah, and Isaiah paints a picture filled with but Jesus. And so when we look at this, the barren wilderness will blossom. The mute will shout for joy. Salvation comes to the fearful. The disabled are healed. Uh, No lions or ravenous beasts. Only the redeemed will walk there. And so it's this beautiful picture of what we will have in the Messiah Um, And so this whole idea of like, but Jesus. And so we see these things and we experience these things of fear, doubt, shame. We see things that are going on, but we can say, but Jesus, but Jesus is with us. He has been born. I follow Jesus. I am in him and he is in me. And so when we think about this picture that Isaiah paints, we're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm ready for that. Um, And so what's the holdup? Like, I'm ready. Like, let's, Okay, but what we have to understand is that our joy comes from Jesus, but we wait for the fullness of the kingdom to be here, and the fullness of the kingdom is not here yet. Um, So we wait. And in Jesus, we have something, or the way that we would describe it, is that God's kingdom is now and not yet. That when Jesus is born, we see that the kingdom of God breaking into real time, into real space, But the fullness of the kingdom is not complete yet. 
And so we wrestle in this tension of, at the one hand, experiencing Christ, experience his, his kingdom, but then at the same time, we don't get to see the fullness of it. So, again, in Jesus, we get a deposit of the kingdom, but we wait for the fullness. And if you're like me, most of us don't like waiting. I don't know that I've ever met anyone who likes waiting. But we have to wait. And we all get bummed at the pain that we see, and that is for certain. Like, I think I was just driving here this morning, and I was in my truck, and the engine wasn't warm enough yet for the truck to actually blow warm air. And I'm literally watching someone underneath a stairwell trying to get warm with what looks like a sheet. Doesn't look like a proper, like, I have nice sleeping bags because I like going backpacking and stuff. Like this person, I couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman, literally was trying to pull this sheet over their head. I'm freezing in the car, properly dressed, knowing that the heater is going to get warm. And I'm thinking, man, that just breaks my heart. But in Jesus, right, we see the pain, but then, but in Jesus, like this church, small as it may be, we have so many people that are involved in amazing things within this church to help people who are on the streets, like genuinely. But Jesus, I get to see people, including myself, who are trying to make a, a difference within our city. So we wait for the fullness of the kingdom, but at the same time, but Jesus, but we're involved in trying to help out in some way. And we wait. We have to wait for the fullness of the kingdom to show up to where there will be no more death. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more addiction. There will be no more hospitals. There will be no more government. There will be no more uh, hospitals, police stations, military. That's the fullness of the kingdom, man. That's the promise of the new earth. Where I'll be able to go surfing and great whites won't have any teeth. That's, my, that's how I imagine it being. Like, they'll bite me and just give me a massage. That sounds cool to me. You're like, that's not, I, you dream up your own, like, new earth thing. So when we think about, like, what is our attitude as we wait for the fullness of the kingdom? Because your attitude as you wait says a lot about who you are. And you'll only wait uh, for something that you desire. But God does really important work in the waiting. There's something that happens inside of us as we wait. I can't honestly, and you don't need to raise your hand, I can't think of anyone who enjoys waiting, per se. But God does amazing work in the waiting. Like, I just want to get there. I'm ready for it to be done. I want to be who you want me to be in Christ. I want to be a fully mature, grown man. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best dad. I want to be the best employee. I want to be this, that, or whatever. And, but we wait. But God does something amazing in the waiting that's so important for us that it's good to embrace the waiting, even though that sounds not that fun. Charles, you want to read your piece?
So Paul in Romans 8, 25 through, or 22 through 25 says this, All around us we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what it is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. In the waiting, we become more and more like Christ. And I know <laughs> we wish it could happen in a different way, but God just, that's how he operates. And so we watch and we wait as creation suffers from sin and death and decay, and we see these injustices in the world, yet we also see God's kingdom breaking through. And many of us in this church demonstrate the things of the kingdom which is how we see it breaking through. Linda and I, I don't know where we were going. Oh, we were going to uh, the grocery market. We needed something for dinner. And we were driving around, and, and uh, I have a pretty overactive brain. And so we were driving, and I'm like, I think that's a wallet. And my wife's like, what? You didn't see a wallet. And so we turn around, and we go back, and sure enough, there's a wallet on the side of the road. And... Um, we look at the wallet, we look in there, and it's filled with all these cards, had $25 cash, and I mean, I could obviously, it just got left there, so I, I don't know what happened. And so um, we look for a phone number in there, we can't find a phone number, and my wife just gives it to me, and I'm like, I'll, I'll find out who it is. So then I start to Google search this guy, trying to figure out who he is. Uh, can't find him on Facebook. He has a, he's African, um, African name. Um, and so then I'm searching on Facebook, and there's all these people from all over Africa. And I'm like, well, you know, then you're like, Redding, California. Like, how's this all working out? And so I, his address is on his driver's license. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to his, his place. And I go to his place, and I'm like, oh, man, this is kind of sketchy, you know? And so I tell my daughter, and she's making fun of me. She's like, you're overreacting. And I'm like, no, I have a wallet, and I'm just knocking on some random door hoping it's him. And so then I Google to make sure he's the right guy, and then somehow I find out that this dude, a year to this day almost, like in January, literally got shot by some dudes right by his house. Like, he's in the news. Like, so-and-so got, got shot. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. So I go back to the house, and no one's there. And then finally I go back with Linda, and I'm, you know, I, I have no thoughts of keeping the. I'm like, what am I going to do with this wallet? And finally I go back for the last time. And I knock on the door, and he's like, who is it? And I'm like, he wouldn't even know who I am. I'm all, Sean! Sean McMasters, probably seeing me on our church's live stream. Um, I said, Sean McMasters, he's all, what do you want? And I'm like, well, I got to tell the guy I got his wallet. I'm all, I have your wallet. I'm just hoping it's the right guy. He's all, okay, good. Um, 
So then he opens it up, and I can just tell he's totally freaked out. This guy's freaked I'm freaked out. He's freaked out. I'm like, oh, this is like, you know, he should be more freaked out than me, having been shot a year ago. And so then he opens the door. It's him. Uh, and I'm like, hey, I found your wallet. He's like, I didn't even know I lost my wallet. And I'm like, wow. I don't, I honestly, I'm like, I don't know if the dude gets out that much. And, but, I mean, it, in the midst of this, right, like we see the injustices in the world. Like this dude moves from Africa, comes here, comes to Reading, and a year ago gets shot. It's horrible. But then we also know by Jesus, because I'm in Christ, I have no thought of keeping this guy's wallet. I don't want any of his credit cards. I don't want any of his cash. It's not even a thought in my mind. I'm like, no way. Like, this guy, this is his, right? And so we also see, even though we see all this weird stuff going around or happening at the same time, we're like, but Jesus, but Jesus. Like, I not only do I want to see the kingdom of God, I also have the opportunity to demonstrate the kingdom of God to people. And on, you know what the dude told me in the end? He put his hand out and he said, you are a good man. I'm like, dude, uh, I didn't tell him this, but I'm like, I just barely got saved by the skin of my teeth, man. I, anything good in me is only because I follow Jesus. Because growing up, I did not have many good examples, but then again, when I start following Jesus, I'm like, this is what it means to be a man. So we wait for the fullness of the kingdom, but while we wait we also ask ourselves, how can I be involved? Like, how is God using me and involving me in the injustices of the world? Because there's a lot of pain out there. And whether or not it's just actually going saying hi to someone that's literally trying to stay warm by pulling a sheet over them, or whatever it is that God is calling you to do, we wait for the fullness of the kingdom at the same time. How is God inviting you to be involved? Uh, Kathy, you want to read your reading? Amen. So the joy of the Lord is our strength. We wait for the fullness of the kingdom. And at the same time, we cultivate joy here and now. So what does it look like when we talk about cultivating joy? Um, what, what does that mean? How do we cultivate joy? Um, because it is an exercise. When we look again at the Apostle Paul, he cultivated joy. In 1 Thessalonians uh, 5:16 through 24, he says this, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. But test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. These are tough words. I mean, it all sounds nice. You know, you see, like, you walk in. I 
we were went shopping yesterday and you see all these like nice home signs and if you have these at your house I'm not necessarily making fun of you in particular but we have like all these nice saying it sayings in our homes and you're like oh rejoice always pray continually that cute but to actually put that into practice is really difficult and you know Paul's not saying like hey you should make a sign and put this up in your house somewhere these are things that he is telling us to do to follow Christ Rejoice always. No thanks. That's tough, man. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's tough, if we're being honest. And he doesn't say once you feel like it, when everything goes your way, uh, when you get what you want, then you rejoice. He's saying rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. These are things that he's telling us to do. We, we ought to be doing. This is what it means to be in Christ, like rejoice always. Again, if we go back to the idea that my joy is centered on my circumstances, then that's really tough. However, if I'm anchored in Christ, then I always have something to rejoice about. No matter how dire it looks, no matter how bad it looks, to pray continually. Again, uh, not just praying for everything to go my way, but to pray and be in this relationship with him. And again, giving thanks in all circumstances. If I'm anchored in Christ, then that makes sense. If I'm not, and my joy is dependent on my circumstances, then, yeah, I can kind of turn into, I understand. And I, guys, I live in a real world. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not asking you to do anything that I wouldn't do, and I wrestle with all these things as well, because I'm like, dude, rejoice all the time. Come on, man. But we have the Bible for a reason, and it's to challenge us. So Paul cultivates joy. How? By rejoicing always and giving thanks in all circumstances. It's not easy. Um, but again, if your joy is in the Lord, then we can have all these things. Um, in Philippians 4, again, these are all like really cool things to say and, you know, little snippets. I'm sure most of you have heard, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I play soccer every Friday. Um, and so being 49, and there are some older people here that play soccer with me. I won't mention Chris Gato by name. But this last Friday, I pulled my gluteus maximus because I can't think of no other word in church that would be proper. Um, and so I was playing, I was playing soccer. So one time we were playing, and this gal was pretty fired up. And she really animated, and she's, like, really excited to be, uh, know Jesus. And she made a goal, and she said, I can do all things through Christ. He strengthens me. As a small little snippet, there, it's, Scripture is super cute. And I'm fir my first thought was, like, I don't think that what's Paul, that's what uh, Paul was meaning when he wrote that. Um, and so when we think about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he's talking about having hard times and being in a place that you don't want to be in. He's certainly not talking about soccer. 
He's talking about your life being difficult, life sucking, but knowing because you're in Christ, because you're anchored in him, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. My circumstances are not my God. God is my God. And Jesus is God in the flesh. And I anchor myself to him. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look, I, I, don't, I don't want to dress this up, which I don't almost ever. It's, life is tough, man. My life is tough. My life is weird. Your life is weird. Life's weird. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I got to anchor myself to the right place. Mm, my buddy down in San Luis Obispo, he's, <laughs> when I was down there, I was a worship leader down there, and he was my drummer for the worship team. Just this old-school hippie man. He is just so wild. He's such a wild guy. He had long hair, and um, he's just a super wild guy. And he, you know what he would say all the time uh, was, uh, he'd say, Sean, look up, show the Lord your teeth. He loves to see you smile. And he would tell me that all the time. And I'm like, you know, that's really cool. I really appreciate that. Like, look up. Show the Lord your teeth. He loves to see you smile. What am I focused on? What, where, where am I putting my energy, my problems? Yeah, they require some energy. There's no doubt. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So how do we cultivate joy? Cultivating a relationship with him. Um, I mean, at some point in time, I don't know when it was, but spending intentional time with Christ, like, and I've shared this story before, when we were first married, Linda and I, my wife said, um, hey, we need to go on date nights. And I got, uh, marriage is really funny. And so as a younger guy, I thought that meant she wanted us to get all dressed up and we were going to go spend a bunch of money. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so dumb. Uh, I've become a little bit softer uh, as I've been married longer and aged. Um, I was like, this is ridiculous. But my wife, all she was thinking, like, I just want to spend time with you. That's really what was, let let me translate for the dudes in the room. She just wants to spend time with me. Like, (laughs) thanks, Jeremy. Um, And so it's same with our relationship with Christ. 355 days a year do I wake up in the morning and do almost the exact same thing. I have a date with Jesus. I say the Lord's Prayer before I get out of bed, unless today, like, the alarm woke me up and I had no idea what was going on and what the sound was in my room. And so I generally just say the Lord's Prayer before I get out of bed each and every day. Sometimes I have to say it several times because I'm, like, missing the words. And I get up and literally go make coffee, And then I drink my coffee in silence. I turn the lights off in the house, and it's kind of a little bit lighter outside. And I just sit there, and I drink my coffee. And I just sit there and talk to them, meditate. I space out, which is perfectly fine to space out with Jesus. And then after the coffee starts to kick in, uh, then I read one chapter of Scripture. That's all I do. 355 days out of the year. Because... We don't want to be legalistic about this. We want to be realistic. So that's what I do. One chapter, 355 days out of the year. Because like my wife, like, hey, we should go on date nights. And I'm like, no, 
And now I'm like, yeah, we should. We're just spending time with one another. How do I cultivate joy? How do I cultivate a relationship? How do you cultivate it? You spend time with one another. That's what you do. How much time are you spending with Jesus? One-on-one time with Jesus. If you think about all the ways you invest your time, how much does Jesus get? So, again, just getting up, make coffee, one chapter a day. Because joy is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more you see it. And the more you practice the rejoicing, the more you'll see things to rejoice about. And it's the same with complaining. If you're constantly just, you're, you know, you're working that muscle, man. Oh, the world is horrible. I mean, and I'm sure that you guys all, I assume, that you guys have negative Nellies in your uh, families. And you're like, man. Just, but the more you see negative things, the more you see negative things. Over it. But there's always something. And so how do we strengthen that? And how do we anchor ourselves in Christ? Uh, certainly by spending time with him. Tony, you want to read your reading? So the joy of the Lord is our strength. Again, just next Sunday is Christmas Eve. We wait for the fullness of the kingdom. But while we wait, we cultivate our joy here uh, and now. We're going to have communion. We do this every Sunday. Um, On the... Last night that Jesus was with he had dinner with his disciples and he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. In that Jesus allows for his sinless body to be broken for us. To act as a substitute for the atonement of our brokenness. And so the bread represents his body that was broken for us. The wine represents his blood that was poured out for us. In that in his blood, we have been washed in his blood, which obviously sounds weird. Um, but we have been washed in that when we are washed in his blood, the Bible says we become as white as snow in that we're sinless in his eyes. So the way that we do communion, if you are a follower of Jesus or if you would like to start following Jesus today, you come down the center aisle and then you take a piece of the cracker, you dip it into the wine, you go around the sides, you hold on to the communion elements and then we will all uh, partake of it together. So if you would like to take communion, please come do so. Jesus, we thank you for coming into the world that you created to a people that rejected you but doing all of that for us. 
that you bore our brokenness and bore our sins and that you defeated sin and death for us. Lord, help us to see who we are in you and to experience the way that you feel about us. Thank you for who you are. Let's partake. Well, why don't we stand? I want to pray a prayer blessing over us before we go on our way. If you want to pray for anything, um, we'd love to have you come up here and lay hands on you and pray for you. Um, yeah, we believe something amazing happens when we lay hands on one another and pray for each other. Um, but if not, uh, I'm just going to pray now. Lord, we thank you for this time to be able to gather as your church. Would you help us to, to anchor ourselves in you, to be able to cultivate joy in you, and to be able to see you around us? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open our eyes and our hearts to the things that you're doing around us and in us, and that we would see you more and more and grow in our understanding and experience of being in you and you being inside of us. God, we also ask that you would open our eyes to the opportunities that surround us to be able to be your kingdom people and to de demonstrate your kingdom around us. And so we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.